Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another incredible episode of The New Wave Entrepreneur. It's your host, Daniel DiPiaz, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Uh, we are continuing with a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I mean, as you know, I am the author of the book, Rich 20-something. I've certainly always had a mentality for getting what's mine and also looking to find ways to improve my life and make money at the same time. A lot of us are willing to give away our happiness or health for money. I never was, and so I've always looked for a way to try to combine, find something that is that is both paying me to do something that I love, and at the same time is also feeding me something that is feeding my soul, hopefully. That that is the, the goal of it. Like I would love in my ideal scenario for my the thing that generates my income and creates my uh, quality of life to also really enhance my spiritual essence, my uh, my love for life, my creativity. I'd like it to. I like the right brain and the left brain to work together. I like the scientific and the spiritual work to work together. I'd like the hard and the soft to work together. Very yin yang. Um, so I hope that is your intention as well. You know, money moves aren't just about the the technical things that you should do with your money. It's also about how you think about your money. We've been talking about money moves for the last uh, week or so. And in fact, there's a new workshop coming up on January 27th. It's called Money Moves. It's all about how to earn more, how to save more wisely, and how to invest to grow your wealth. And if you go to newwaveentrepreneur.com forward slash workshop, you can see all the details for that Money Moves workshop. It's premiering on January 27th. You can catch it live and you can be there as part of the audience with a ticket to ask questions and to be involved in that filming or you can pick it up afterwards streaming. So I highly encourage you if you dig what we're putting down on the series of podcasts I've been putting out around money to come and check out that workshop. It's definitely going to be worth your time, especially if you're listening to this at the beginning of the year in 2022 when we're producing it. Now is a better time than ever to uh, to really work on your financial literacy. That's what we're after with this. Okay, so let's get back to Money Moves. Again, thank you for spending your time with me here today. Uh, the last episode where we were talking about this, what we were primarily talking about was understanding the money game, the fundamentals. We talked about the poor versus uh, rich mindset. We talked about understanding your numbers, knowing your numbers. We talked about financial hygiene a bit. We talked about the power of compounding. We talked about the foundation for your portfolio. And I am still going to go over all the things that I think you should have in your portfolio as well. I gave a quick little uh, summary in our last podcast. But before we jump to that, I wanted to preview something for you or to um, rather than preview, really show you and dive into with you today, something that I think is on your mind. That's how to make more money. See, a lot of times in the conversation around personal finance, which, you know, we're all subject to personal finance, whether or not we, whether we like it or not, you have finances, you are a person, you have personal finance, and there are things that you're going to want to do with your money. And if that, as that is the case, there's only so much you can do to save what you have. Saving is great, but we also want to talk about making more. Making more is um, is a it's, a it's a skill, 
really. And, and most people think that making more is just based on the luck of the draw, how much, you know, uh, how much your parents have will determine how much you make in life or, uh, you know, what degree you have in college will determine the job you'll get as your career or, you know, the luck of the draw, essentially. But really, earning more is a skill. There are many different avenues to earning more. And essentially, if you can earn more, you can save more. And of course, if you can save more, you can invest more because any money that's invested was at one point saved. So you won't be able to create good investment skills if you don't have good saving skills. So we want to, and then how do we create good saving skills? Well, we have to have, you know, enough money to save. Now, I want to say that, I want to say that most people probably don't have amazing saving skills. I'm not basing necessarily on you looking at you, Mrs. or Mr. viewer watching this or listening to this, you know, in your earphones right now. I'm talking about just in general, the average American. When we look at just the average American, if the average American mirrors America itself, we're not uh, financially healthy. If the average American's body mirrors the body of most of America, we're not healthy, you know? So we want to, if you have, if you feel that you have average savings habits, we want you to improve them to above average, to extraordinary savings habits. And if you don't have any savings habits yet, it's time to create those. But those, that's the first piece of being able to make more. Because when we're talking about making more, the first thing to consider is eliminating wasteful spending. Now, in the, in the first kind of installment of this Money Moves series, I talked about really understanding your numbers, knowing your numbers. This is part of financial hygiene. You know, you would brush your teeth every day, wouldn't you? Well, of course. Well, you should also look at your finances on a daily basis. You would you would track your weight over time, wouldn't you? Most people would, or a lot of people do. Well, you should track your financial weight over time as well. This is all part of hygiene. We have our personal hygiene, which is our body, but we also have our physical we have we have our physical hygiene, which is our body, and our personal hygiene, which is our body, but we also have our financial hygiene, which comes down to how we manage our accounts. And in a way, it's a metaphysical thing. It's a psychological thing. This is not something you can touch, but it is something that touches you. So something. So this is worthy of thinking about. Now, being able to have a good level of financial hygiene and being able to look at our money on a regular basis and be comfortable with looking at our money will allow us to see where we have wasteful spending. Now, what qualifies as wasteful spending? My personal opinion is that <laughs> we should... There should be splurging in when you can afford it. Obviously, there should be splurging in your budget. In fact, I'm not even sure that budgets work. What, what I would recommend is this. Go through your monthly spending. Look to see how much and go, go for the last three months. Go through your bank statements for the last three months. And what I want you to do is again, make a spreadsheet of all of your expenses going out. So all the things you're, you're normally paying for subscriptions, regular recurring visits to things, to people, to practice, to places, you know, gym memberships, chiropractors, uh, you know, other service providers, softwares that you pay for, entertainment that you pay for, you know, subscriptions that you pay for. Uh, and then I want you to look at, look at monthly expenses that are pretty regular groceries, uh, you know, car maintenance, uh, daycare for the kids. All these different things that are on a regular basis you're paying for. So figure out all your expenses. Figure out your your average monthly expenses. And then I want you to then, over the last three months, take that average. And then from, from, from here, on, here on out every week, when you have your normal review of your finances, look to see which of the things that are popping up for you that week are supposed to be there. If you're used to seeing you know a certain type of subscription come through and you see that plus a few other things – you you will get accustomed to seeing that you, you will your your little alarm bell will go off when those new things pop up on the 
on the statement. And you'll start to notice the things that are out of place. You'll start to become more familiar with what your banking situation looks like, with what your credit card statement looks like. You'll start to become more familiar with that. And then what I would say is just eliminate the things where you you aren't truly getting joy from it or use from it. A lot of times we are spending on things that we're not using. We're spending on things when we think about the amount of time that we've devoted to it. It's not that much. You know, Marie Kondo uh, has this idea about cleaning up your house and she says, throw anything away that doesn't give you joy. And I say canceling subscription that doesn't give you joy, uh, you know, canceling any relationship that doesn't give you joy, canceling any program that doesn't get, bring you joy. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, you're spending your time for that. You're spending your money for that. And it's, those are, you know, your time is non-renewable and your money is linked to your time. So you want to, you want to be make, making sure that everything that's coming out of your account is supposed to be coming out. Go and look for the things that are, uh, they are, that, that aren't, um, useful for you and eliminate them. And you might find that you, could get back 10% of your monthly spending, your monthly expenses, just through eliminating things that aren't useful. And make some tough decisions. You know, don't allow yourself to keep everything. Now we're talking, of course, about non-necessities here. You know, we're not talking about your lights and your groceries and things like that. But start to eliminate some things that you're really not using. You know, for me, that's additional memberships that I wasn't using to different websites or different, like, you know, I had one or two gym memberships I wasn't using. I know it sounds bad. Uh, or just things that I wasn't utilizing I was paying for. Just go ahead and eliminate those things. Get back to basics. Only splurge on what you care about. I think there should be splurges in your in your spending. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, we're making this money and we want to be able to enjoy it as well. I feel like I'm firmly in the middle. I am firmly in the realm of definitely create wealth through investment and through long-term thinking. And also make sure that you're taking care of yourself in the present because you never know when you're going to die. Period. Straight up. You could just die tomorrow. And so make sure that you are enjoying the money that you make as well. But eliminate things that aren't giving you what you really love. You know, the thing, the clutter. And you might find you save a lot. And splurge on the things you care about, whether it's, you know, eating out when you can afford it, whether it is, you know, a nice uh, a nice outfit when you want it, whether it is going on a trip. You have to create some boundaries for yourself. You can't just buy everything that you think is going to be fun for you, but you also have to have some joy in your life. So find that balance. But definitely eliminate the things that don't make the cut. And overall, when you go in and you start looking at your money, you should be, you know, by the end of it, there should be a few things you can eliminate. So you should come out with having found some savings through your elimination phase. Okay. Now, now that you've cleaned up a little bit, you've kind of cleaned up your diet, you know, you've cleaned out the, the excess crap. Now, this, that, and that's really what I want you to do is now that you've cleaned it out, I want you to look at what you're actually doing to make money and see how you can turn that up. Because the easiest way to make more is to make more doing what you're already doing. You know, today, and again, just to to reinforce this, the reason why we're talking about making more is because before you start to invest, before you start to do more advanced things with your money, you have to have enough money to work with. Now, understanding the money game is the first part, knowing that there's a bigger game out there, especially when it comes to the magic of compounding and different assets and different instruments. But now you have to actually go back and make money. You have to go make more. First, you start by saving as much as you can and by cutting unnecessary expenses. But once those two things are done and you've kind of already trimmed the fat as much as you can, now it's like, all right, how do we put on some muscle? And the first place is if you're working a nine to five job, it's at your job. So what would that look like? That would look like getting a promotion. That would look like working more hours, depending on what your job is. That would look like, you know, picking up extra shifts. Obviously, this isn't the ideal situation for everybody because you can't necessarily control getting a promotion at work. You can't control necessarily your schedule at work most of the time. You can't control your hourly rate either, but sometimes you can. 
Sometimes you can ask for a raise. Sometimes you can, you can apply for a promotion that you've been nervous about or curious about. Sometimes you can ask to be put on for more shifts. So just think about where in your existing monetary system you can create more of what you already have. Before you try to start thinking about making a side hustle or something, think about maximizing what you have. Same thing if you're a business owner. If you don't have a job or, or your job is everything USA, you're, your business, you're a business owner, look for where you can make more of what you already have. So that what could that mean? That could mean if you're selling a product or a service, uh, increasing the prices. It could mean decreasing the number of hours that you're working, but and so and so decreasing the number of hours but increasing the prices, you know, or decreasing the number of clients you're working with but increasing the prices. It could mean developing a new product, you know, developing a developing something that is isn't part of your existing services or product line but could serve to complement those. Uh, those things you already have. It could be, especially if you have a business, it's developing a better upsell or developing a better cross sell, something that can you can sell to existing customers. Remember, we're, we're trying to find lowest hanging fruit first, lowest barrier of entry. If you're an employee, your existing customers, quote, existing customers is your employer. That's your boss. If you're a business owner, your existing customers are the people who've already bought from you. So, you know, if you're already, if people already bought from you, they're more likely to buy from you again. When someone opens their wallet to you, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's something like three to seven times more likely to buy from you again. Even if they only spend a dollar with you, it's more likely that they're open, that they'll open their wallet to spend a thousand dollars the next time than it is for them to go from zero to two to a thousand dollars the first time. So again, it's easier to go from one thousand, from one dollar to a thousand dollars in sales with one person than it is to go from zero to one. Which means, you know, it's it's generally the hardest to get people over the line. Once you've pulled them over the line, then you can keep doing that over and over again. But it's hardest to get someone to buy and say yes the first time. So if you can get them to say yes once they've already done that, it will actually be cheaper for you. Because in time and money, it is expensive to recruit new clients. So think about it like that. You want to make as much as you can with what you have. That's the first part. And that maximizes your time and maximizes your effort. It's about really effectiveness. You know, the, the better you're able to uh, be effective with your, with your time and your money, the more you're essentially making. Now, assuming that you have maximized the amount of spending that you're, or you, you've minimized your, your, uh, your non-useful spending, your not, your non-essential spending, your wasteful spending, uh, assuming that you've maximized what you can make at work, uh, what you can make at your job. Just assuming that you've maximized that whole thing, let's talk about what else you can do. Well, again, the reason why we're doing this is because we're talking money moves. And you can understand the money game like we talked about in the first round of this series. You can also talk about compounding, but you have to make more in order to really start to see that wealth grow. So what are things you can do that you, you know, that can add to that bottom line? First thing, liquidating things you aren't using. So this could be Honestly, it could be something simple like a garage sale. You know, it could be, I have a ton, a ton of stuff that is worth selling. I have an electric skateboard I want to sell. I think I have a PS3 in there. I'm not sure how much the PS3 is worth. Uh, I have some collectibles. I have a bunch of things that I couldn't think I could sell. And man, if I looked around my house right now, I bet you I could find, I don't know, I, I got to look. Depending on what you want to sell. Again, Maria Kondo would say sell, I think she would say sell anything that you haven't touched for 90 days and sell anything that doesn't bring you joy. So... If I had to sell anything I hadn't touched in 90 days, it could be quite a lot of things. But I'm looking at my, around my room right now. I don't have anything super valuable here. Oh, actually, I do have a, I do have a, a first edition 
Colossus comic from the X uh, from the X Men. I'm looking at right here, and maybe that's worth something. I also do have a Big Sean autographed portrait. Now, now these I don't want to sell because these really are bringing me joy. But I bet you you have things here that uh, that you would want to sell. Just looking around your room right now, what can you sell? So liquidate some. That's what liquidation is. Liquidate some stuff. Liquidate whatever you're not selling around your house. And yes, it will take some effort to sell this stuff. So there is time that goes into that. So it's not completely free to sell this stuff, but if you did this all in one clean, clean sweep and you made anywhere between $500 and $5,000, that'd be pretty sweet, man. And that's money that, that, that's called found money that can go right into your investment fund. So, and I think all you need is 500 bucks to start up an investment account with Vanguard. So there you go. But start liquidating things that you aren't using. Um, another thing is too, which I think you could look into, uh, which I've had some success with are renting out your services, you know, so renting out your car, renting out your, so, Turo is a good app you can rent out your car on, renting out your services, you know, um, even doing side hustles that are based on apps like uh, Rover is an app where you can take care of other people's dogs. You know, you can make side cash from that. There are all these different um, uh, basically service provider apps where you can plug into the app. You know, there's um, there's one called Style Seat where it's all hair and natural hair braiding and hair and barbering and all that stuff. And if you have that skill, you can make money on that app. So start to look for apps that have a marketplace for your service. That's another thing as well. And that's really creating a side hustle for yourself. And that's something I would encourage you to look into. You know, whether you have a, a job already, like a, you work a nine to five, or you have uh, an existing business, having multiple streams of income is so important. And there's a few different ways to think about it. You can have multiple streams within one bigger stream, and then you can have completely separate streams. So for instance, within the New Wave Entrepreneur, what are our streams? We have our subscribers which are our premium subscribers. So they're paying a certain amount, they're paying $29 per month and that's a recurring subscription. And then sometimes we'll sell uh, workshops and that's a separate income stream. Or I'll do individual coaching and that's a separate income stream. Or I'll do, or I'll sell a digital product or I'll do a partnership. These are all separate income streams. New Wave Entrepreneur is a business and then within that business, there are different products or different income streams. So you don't want to be necessarily a one product business if you can help it. Although there's nothing wrong with that, but just generally speaking, you know, the, you don't want to be a one-legged stool. You don't want to be so dependent on one income source that you're easy to knock over. So put some consideration behind that because if New Wave Entrepreneur is one business and then within it, there are multiple different streams, then I'd also want to have different businesses outside of New Wave Entrepreneur. So that's why I have my strength of seduction business, which is all like DVDs and fitness stuff. That's why I have my one-on-one consulting or my coaching. That's why I make money on investments and that's a different stream of income. But these are all income streams. And so they're income, there are, there are basically income streams in the form of products and different services within a larger income stream. And then there are completely separate companies and categories. So just think about where's all your money come from? If all your money comes from a job, we've all been there and it's not a very good position to be in, you know, unless this is the job that you totally own, then it's not great. If you are a solopreneur or a small business owner, then you own your job. Right. And actually, Robert Kiyosaki had a great description of this in his uh, in his book, Cashflow Quadrant. I talked about his book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, in the last uh, podcast series. Now I recommend you go out and get Cashflow Quadrant. I was just remembering this book now because he talks about uh, the four progressions of uh, of wealth through different stages. So you have the employee, which gets paid by a company. You have someone who's self-employed. So that's someone who owns their job. So, for instance, if you own a liquor store, or if you own a, or if you're, or if you're an attorney, both of those are examples where you own your job. You know, if you own a shop, 
If you're not there, essentially the shop doesn't open. Sure, you can hire people, but you are very essential to that business. If you open up a Subway, better believe Subway doesn't franchise people that aren't going to be in the store. (laughs) So you own your job. It's a job. If you stop working it, you don't get paid for that. Now, what's the next level up? Next level up is entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, they own, they own the system. So the system is the business itself. So if, for instance, you are not only working in the subway, but you also own that subway and a few others, and you own a couple different franchises, then you're not managing necessarily the day-to-day operations of that system. And you don't need to be in any specific, uh, subway location to make money, you are managing it from one level up, which is I have five different subways and I want to make sure that they're all producing. So you're looking at things from more of a systems perspective. And then one level above that is you're an investor. And so that's when your money is working for you. And you're more about, uh, you're more about uh, basically making money through returns, not necessarily making money through the business system or through the individual, uh, through the individual time versus money continuum. So these are the different levels. You have self-employed, you have well, no, you have, you have employed, self-employed, then you have entrepreneur, then you have investor. So think about those differences and think about where you are right now. If you are in a job where they're paying you, then you don't own your job. They own you and you don't own that income stream. You want to always own your income stream. So if you are working, for instance, in a, you know, in a, in a startup or you're working in, you know, a company and they're paying you for your hours or salary, that's great. Now what I would encourage you to do is go and try to create, not try, do create a side hustle. Create a freelance business. Now you could also create a product-based business and many of my friends have done this as well. My beginning experience came in the freelance world. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to think about skills that you have. Think about things that you've done in your life that people either compliment you for, that you've always found a natural affinity for, that you have Um, some interest in that you have a talent for, things that you've gotten paid for in the past, things that are exciting to you. Start to develop these ideas in your head and then begin to find clients for these ideas. Now, I know we're going over this in a podcast now, and this is actually an entire course. I made a course with Founder Magazine called Start Your Side Hustle, which was like 50 hours of content on this. And before that, I even wrote a book called Rich 20-something. And that book was all about starting a business with what you have in your head. The whole idea here is that because of the fact that there is ever-evolving technology, we can always be one step ahead of the people who want to implement this technology just by educating ourselves. And also, learning some business skills along the way makes your winning percentage go up big, big time. So if you learn some skills other people don't have, and then you learn how to sell those skills, you'll always have a job. And that job can be working for someone else, or it can be working for yourself. But you'll always have a job. I prefer to be working for myself, and then I prefer to have other people working for me. But it all is rooted in first getting a skill. Now, if you're wondering, all right, well, what skill should I start with for a side hustle? Here's what I would look into. I would look at what things are, what types of jobs are likely to um, continue to increase in demand and which ones have the the best uh, interlocking growth potential, I'll call it. Or when I say jobs, I mean skill sets. And I really strongly advise you to look into the blockchain space right now if you're watching this. Blockchain is an emerging technology which we talk about on this show, on this channel, on this podcast, and it's all about creating um, speed, security, and privacy of your information. And it's also allowing us to have entirely new industries like cryptocurrencies, like NFTs, like DAOs, all these different tools and platforms that we can 
um, that we can use with this Web3 technology. This Web3 technology is usually built on blockchain uh, using code like Solidity or Rust. These are different programming languages. And as blockchain technology starts to seep into the average consumer's everyday use, that technology is going to continue to soar. It's not like it's going to reverse the trend now. It's going, to, it's going in that direction. And I would encourage you to, if you don't want to actually learn blockchain development, which not everyone is technical, I I would recommend that you learn blockchain development just so you understand it. If you're interested in, in tech, I recommend you learn blockchain development. But of course, I'm not going to convince everyone to learn a coding language. It is hard. Most people will say they don't want to do it. What I would recommend that you do is I recommend that you at least learn a skill or a business process adjacent to the blockchain industry. So for instance, when you're developing a blockchain app, you need Solidity on the back end and you need something like JavaScript on the front end. And then of course, there are um, lots of other companies that are starting up in the Web3 space. And you say, well, what do they need? Well, they need marketing. Well, they need sales. Well, they need systems. Well, they need management. And so I would look at the industries that are trending up like Web3, like blockchain, like crypto. And I would say, all right, there's a gold rush right now. Where are the shovels? The gold is obviously finding the crypto and, you know, getting rich off crypto and getting, you know, hitting the, the Web3 lottery, you know, by being in the space early. That's like the, the gold, obviously. But the shovels, my friends, the shovels are what we're are what we're providing, the services and products we're providing to the people who are already in the game, who are already in the Wild West. So thinking about how you can complement an industry that's already evolving, you know, and, and how can you figure this stuff out? I mean, I'm just spitting here on a podcast, but what I would recommend you do is I'd recommend that you you get involved with this industry, that you learn some of the emerging problems, that you learn how these businesses are being marketed, that you think about what skills you have and see how it connects with, what hap- with what's happening right now. And yeah, it might take you a little bit of time, but the reality is this these changes are happening, whether we like it or not. Technological changes are happening. And we can either ride this wave and surf this wave where we can be crushed by it. And personally, I prefer to surf. So that's what I would do if I'm thinking about getting, uh, you know, making more money. I would look at the industries that are evolving. Now, it doesn't have to be Web3. Obviously, I'm just talking about tech here. But look at this. You know, look what's happening. AI, which is augmented reality. AR, which is, or, or sorry, AI, which is artificial intelligence. AR, which is augmented reality. You have all these things. IoT, which is Internet of Things. You have Web3. You have crypto. You have all these different technological changes that are happening. You could be getting involved in those. You could be learning how to work with companies that are in that space. You could be learning how to develop products or programs in that space. You could be learning how to sell B2B or B2C in that space. Um, look to find what spaces are interesting to you based on your interests and see where they combine with your skills. But that's where you're going to find the unique fit. You know, I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, you should be a, a WordPress developer because I did that. Or you should be a, you know, a marketing person or a copywriter because I did that. Those are just things that worked with my skill set and uh, they were hap- they happened to be on an upward trend as I was implementing them. And of course, those skills will still be necessary. You know, people will still need uh, WordPress. They'll still need copywriting. But I think you can understand what I'm saying. I was going with trending up with the times. You know, when I was developing my freelance career and developing my other streams of income, I was working at a restaurant and I started doing um, uh, different stuff on the side, including WordPress design, WordPress development. But you got to remember, this is in 2000. 11 or 12. So it was much more, well, it was probably closer to 2012. So, so this is much more uh, rudimentary when, when WordPress wasn't as well known and it seemed almost like magic to someone who couldn't even build a website. So this is what is happening with Web3 now. People aren't even aware of what is happening in this space, but they're becoming more aware every passing week and they're looking for more people who have the skill sets that are obscure. 
Solidity developers right now are some of the highest uh, sought-after developers in the world. Those are the developers needed to create smart contracts on Ethereum, and that is what's been fueling this entire boom in DeFi, fueling this entire boom in um, in, in crypto and NFTs. So start to understand some of this stuff. I would also recommend that you pick up copies of the latest magazines in the different industries you're interested in. So for me, I pick up copies of Entrepreneur, Fortune Forbes. Sometimes I'll read it online, but I like the physical copies as well. It just prints a good curation of the info. And I will look through the magazine to just look what trends are happening. And then I will think about different business models in, within those trends. And James Altucher, a blogger, had a great a great article years ago where he talks about how he goes through with a with a, a server's pad from a waiter's pad every morning. He writes down 10 ideas and he does an idea brainstorming. And I think it'd be a great idea for you to do an idea brainstorm. In addition to reading my book, Rich 20-something, which will help you to think of ideas you can use to make more money. So I'm, I, you know, I'm hitting this point very cleanly, I think, which is the idea that you can get your financial uh, literacy up. You can be aware of what's happening in the game, but you got to make more to be able to save and invest more. And really, the key to this is one, first, eliminating wasteful spending, okay, and then making more with wherever you are first, low-hanging fruit. How can you make more with what you have? Efficiency is really what we're going for and being effective with our time. Uh, and then once those things have been maximized, you know, look look to liquidate things that you're not using. Look to, you know, pick up another job if you have to. And, and look, I my the subtitle of my book was "Ditch Your Average Job," but I just want to say I'm not anti-job. Okay, I am anti-boring job. I'm anti-average job. I'm anti-jobs that I hate. And so if you have a job that you love, by all means keep it. Do your best to get promoted and make more money with it. But when and if you have time, it might not be a bad idea to get a side gig. I've had that in my life. My friends and family have had side gigs. It's just, you know, part of it. When you're trying to make more, especially if you have an investment goal. So, for instance, if you have an investment goal for real estate this year, you want to get into real estate or you want to get it into, um, you, want, you want to start buying stocks or you want to just have more money to invest in crypto or you're putting together your emergency fund. These are all things that a second job could help with if you have the time, depending on where you're at, how old you are, what your needs are. So, that's good. And of course, a side hustle is another side business if you don't already have one. Uh, these are all ways to make more make more on top of what you're already making. And this is important because when we're looking to manage our money better and save it better, then we can invest it better. And then we can get wealthier. We can get more wealthy more quickly. So that is the second piece of this money moves uh you know, equation. I'm putting together three podcasts on this. The first one we did earlier this week, that's Money Moves Part 1, Understanding the Money Game. You can check that out. This was Money Moves Part 2, which is basically hustling and how to make more. And then Money Moves Part 3 is going to be Portfolio Setup 101. I'm going to take you through my ideal portfolio for the different assets that we would cover and that would be in that portfolio and how that would look and what the distribution would be. And obviously, we've talked about crypto before, but again, there are different types of assets. So crypto is one asset and then, you know, there are other asset classes outside of crypto, different individual ones that will help to balance out your risk a little bit, even though I, I don't really mind the risk of crypto because I understand what I'm what I'm getting into here. Uh, we also want to have some some balance. So that is what's coming up next. All this is leading up to da, 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 the Money Moves Workshop. This happens 
January 27th. This is a workshop that you can tune into live and ask questions as part of the live streaming audience, or you can catch afterwards at your leisure. It comes out uh, January 27th. You can go to moneymoves.com forward slash workshop to sign up. It's going to be truly incredible. We'll have some special guests on there, spitting their, spitting their knowledge. And it's something that as someone who is an entrepreneur, I wish I would have gotten my uh, financial literacy dialed in even earlier. I know that everyone listening to this podcast could uh, could appreciate and can use the same. So check it out. If you are watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe to this channel. Make sure that you're hitting that bell so you get notifications. And if you're listening to this on something like Spotify or iTunes, make sure you are subscribing to this podcast and you are leaving a review. It helps. It helps us to get seen more and it really makes my heart warm. I read every comment. I read every review. And so sometimes that means I get my feelings hurt, but oftentimes you guys are here and I'm feeling great. So thank you for being here all this time. Uh, my friends. That's all I got for you today. Let's hit Money Moves Part 3. The water is warm. The tide is rising. So jump on in. Let's go ahead and surf this new wave. I'll catch you on the other side. 